the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family. Ron Geyer speaking again on Pride, back with End Time Insights. Thank you so much for listening. We love doing this. We appreciate you. We do not take it lightly, the fact that somebody listens to us when we teach the Bible. That is so good. Like I said, we got 20, 30 people or so that we have in our Bible studies, and we love it. They love it. And, we you know, we're talking on Pride, and, of course, the Holy Spirit is going to convict. He's going to challenge us. And the discussions are really good, but the teaching is fabulous. The scriptures are awesome. And we've been talking about that three, four, five, six weeks. I'm not sure, but we're going to transition now into humility because pride is the sin and humility is the grace. Pride is the poison. Humility is the anti-venom. It's the antidote for pride. And it's a process. We just don't wake up one morning. Well, I think I'm going to be humble and pride's going to go. That's not how it works. But we want to give you some verses. We want to show you some great, great, great people in the Bible. Okay, if I were to say to you, who is the greatest man in the Old Testament, who would you think? I'm looking at my producer. <laughs> you got it right. I would say Moses. Uh, my second choice would be Abraham, but I would say Moses. Moses, and I love it because Moses, the Bible says, he was the most humble man in all the earth. So humility was one of the earmarks of Moses. And he happened to be, I think, actually, in my opinion, I think he's one of the greatest men that's ever lived. New Testament, Old Testament, uh, just a fabulous, fabulous human being. But once again, it was said of him that he was a humble man, the most humble man that had lived at that time. And then if you go to the New Testament, you can't use Jesus. Who would you say is the greatest man in the New Testament? Now, in my time, well, that's a good guess, John. In my time... I would say Billy Graham. I think Billy Graham was fabulous. But I would say Paul. I would have the Apostle Paul because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So, uh, and yeah, John's a great guess. Uh, Peter gets some credit, but I would say Paul. And he wasn't one of the original disciples. He kind of got drafted. But uh, God used him greatly. But once again, you're going to see today when I get to it, where is it? He also was known by humility. And it's just amazing the way God works in these people. And, you know, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must become the servant of all. And so that's leading to service. Humility leads to service. Pride keeps you focused on self. So once again, humility leads to unity. Pride leads to strife. Proverbs 3, 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And let me say this about the fear of the Lord. We never get this right because we're, we're New Age Christianity. We're woke church. We, we don't tell us the hard parts about what the Bible says. 
that fear of the Lord, we say, ah, it's an an awestruck reverence. Well, yes. And it's a great respect. Well, yes. But truth be told, if you do a word search on it, the word fear actually means dread. Uh, Understand something. He's God. You're not. And he has the ability to end your existence at any time. Yet he doesn't. But you don't know that. And so you need to make sure that you have a healthy fear of the Lord. The Bible says it is a terror, G-E-R-R-O-R, to fall into the hands of the living God in judgment. Man, you don't want to do that. I mean, people are going to find out everything that we told them is true when they wind up in hell. And hell, it's not just, you know, well, you're going to go there for a week. It's not purgatory. Sorry. It is an eternal state of perishing. You are eternally dying in hell. You never die. You are eternally dying. That's the difference. Wow, drifting. Okay, Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Here we have a simple command from the writer of Proverbs. Note the connections here, though. The uh, the contrast. Be not wise, okay, and fear the Lord. God connects these two. Be not wise, fear the Lord. It's been said that there is no greater enemy to fear of the Lord in our hearts than self-conceit in our own wisdom. Paul repeats this warning about be not wise in uh, Romans twelve sixteen in the Amplified Classic. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to people and things and give yourselves to humble tasks. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. So let's go back to the beginning of that verse. Be not wise in your own eyes. Let's start at the beginning. What we are supposed to be looking at is not what this person is looking at. If you're wise in your own eyes, you're looking at yourself. The Bible never tells you to look at yourself. Sure, you make self-examinations, you're to judge yourself, but you're not looking at yourself for wisdom. You're not looking at yourself in prideful lust and self-adulation. You're supposed to be looking at Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of your faith. So, be not wise in your own eyes, in your own estimation. The fact that Paul told us that man, yes, churchman also, would become a lover of self in these end days, as 2 Timothy 3, 2, men shall be lovers of themselves. It is now easy to identify people who are guilty. Social media. Social media has made it simple to identify prideful hearts. You just look at people, they post pictures of themselves all day long. They talk about themselves. I don't really care what you ate. You know, I really don't. And, you know, we use social media for preaching the gospel. Rarely will you find a picture of me. I don't believe I do. But, you know, we talk about the word of God. We care about your soul. Okay. And I get it. People, they are pimping their children. They're putting their children out there in clothing that young ladies shouldn't be wearing. And they're heaping praise upon praise upon praise on them. And they're not disciplining them. You know, they want to be friends with their children. They want to be popular as a cool mom or a cool dad. Well, you need to be raising up your children in the nurture and the admonition and the fear of the Lord. You need to be disciplining them. They are not your friends. I'm sorry. They are an assignment by God. You know, the Bible talks about the fact in Hosea 4, 6, you know, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we say that all the time. Well, we've rejected that we don't have knowledge. When the truth of the matter is we've got knowledge. We've rejected the knowledge of God. But Notice, as you continue on in Hebrews 4, 7, and 8, God says, because you have rejected me, guess what I'm going to do? Jews, your priests will no longer be priests unto me, and I will also forget your children. 
It's no mistake why our children are in trouble in our schools, why we are murdering our children in the womb, while we are sexually abusing them. Because God said if we rejected him, one of the aspects of our judgment in that would be he would forget about our children. That means he's not protecting them like he said he would at the beginning because we've rejected him. Simple truth. You know, I remember President Trump had a conference maybe three or four years ago. He was still president. What can we do about the problem of children no longer safe in our homes or in our schools? I said, I know the answer. Quit killing them in the wombs. (laughs) Quit killing them and murdering, showing them that it's okay to kill our children. We've given license to Satan. We've given license to our medical community to kill our children. And of course, God says, well, I'm going to respond to that. Like I said, I would, I'm going to reject them. How did I get there? Be not wise in your own eyes, okay? (laughs) So here we are. That alone reveals that man will become a lover of himself, and God warns us. Paul warns us about that. You know, social media has made it easy. We love ourselves. Not only is there a focus on the way that we look, but there is a focus on the way that we think as selves instead of going to the Word of God for our wisdom, for our life's outlook. This way in social media, we are always right. We think we know what's best, that my way is the right way. Be not wise in your own eyes. It's what happens when a culture rejects God, their creator. We have been left to our own devices. Then the natural result is pride. That's right. Where we become hardy. We start looking down on one another. We start comparing ourselves to one another. We start judging one another. In our minds, we do all this in our minds. We exalt our position above that of others. We no longer think about serving. But life is now viewed through the prism of what's best for me. We need to take our eyes off of ourselves and get them back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Quit looking at yourself. Quit looking to yourself. We begin looking at the world around us through carnal thoughts. Our lens becomes carnal rather than spiritual truths. We no longer look to serve others. We are now in competition with them for what the world has to offer. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. John MacArthur chimes in on this subject. The Christian's proper attitude is humility. Amen, guys. I'm telling you, you must learn to humble yourself. Quit comparing yourself to men. Compare yourself to the Word of God. The Christian's proper attitude is humility, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. MacArthur continues, lack of foundational virtue causes many believers to stumble, no matter how well we may be grounded in God's Word how theologically sound we may be, or how vigorously we may seek to serve God, our gifts will not operate so that our lives can be spiritually productive until self is set aside. I love that phrase, until self is set aside. From self-denial in the spiritual worship of God flows self-surrender to the will of God. And from self-surrender to the will of God flows selfless service in the work of God. So true. So let's look at the life of Paul. This is really good. And see how he approached God in his service to him. Acts twenty eighteen and 19. Great verse. And when they would come to him, I'm sorry, let me set the scene. He's getting ready to go home to die, to be with the Lord. And so he's gathering together the leaders of the church at Ephesus and the surrounding areas. You know, from the first day, he says that I came into Asia after what manner I've been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. As Paul here begins to testify of his holy behavior before the Jews to the leaders at Ephesus and the surrounding areas, 
the very first thing he brings up is the manner of his service to God. And yes, what's at the top of that list, right? This great man, miracle worker, apostle extraordinaire. Yet here he is, and he chooses to brag on his service to these guys. He's getting ready to go home. He's got a whole bunch of stuff to say, but this is what he's going to say first. He says that I was serving the Lord with all humility of mind. And that service was earmarked, the hallmark of his service. It was all humility of mind. Note the comparison to Moses in prior lessons. Numbers 12, 3. Now, Moses was very humble or devout. He was the least proud, most humble, or most devout person on the entire earth. Greatest man in the Old Testament, in my point of view, Moses. What do we know about him? He was the most humble person on the entire earth. Paul. I think the greatest person in the New Testament, excluding Christ. And what do you got here? He serves the Lord with all humility of mind. Note the common thread between Moses and Paul. Probably the greatest man in the Old Testament, Moses, and Paul probably the greatest man in the New Testament. Humility. Humility, humility in large doses. That alone should speak volumes to us. I mean, Paul was able to go ahead and get these guys together, the leaders, and he warned them. Eight verses later, he warned them that some of them would be taking away. They would be ravenous wolves, and they'd be taking people out of the churches to follow them instead. And here he is now beginning that warning to them by telling them about his humility. He knows what's coming. He knows that warning is coming. He says, no, no, humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You are responsible for God's sheep. You must serve God humbly in all humility of mind, not in and out humbleness, not humble Monday and proudful Tuesday. No, no, no. All humility of mind. That means I am humble always. I am humble in my relationship with people, with you. I am humble wherever I am serving, whoever I am serving, whenever I am serving, I'm serving God with a spirit of humility. You know, Paul could have pointed out his great love for the people that he served. He could have started that to these leaders. He could have told them a great revelation that God gave him that made him a wonderful teacher. But he accented his service, and he accented this one thing about his service, that it was done in the spirit of humility. Why? Because he knew that's what they needed. He knew that would grow them. He knew that would grow the church. The church was Jesus' baby, but Jesus put the responsibility for the church's welfare under Paul's concern. And Paul started telling them by showing them that humility would be the foundation for their success. I love that. I love that. What can I say? Well, I can say, Ron, God says to Ron, Ron, humility will be the foundation for your success. What about you guys? You know, I was doing some studies on the uh, working. I'm working as unto the Lord the other day, and it was so, so good. There was one anecdote uh, where, who was it? One of the famous preachers talked about this lady. She was a maid, and she was working in a school or in the church or somewhere. I think it was a school. And they were talking about she would come in, and she would clean the building. And somebody says to her, uh, I forget her name, Betty. Betty, how do you know you're saved? And she goes, oh, that's easy. She goes, once I got saved, I started cleaning underneath the rugs and just around them. I love that. I 
Love that. That is so fabulous. I've been starting my work week all week this week with making sure that I'm cleaning not around the rugs, but under the rugs. I love that. I will never forget that. And that's something that you should keep, too, because it's so important. It shows the excellence of service. It shows what a new creation does in humble service when they change employers. She didn't quit her job, but she recognized she was going to work for the Lord now, and she was going to work for the Lord with excellence. I love that. I will never, ever forget it. So Paul started telling them off uh, by showing them what a humble servant looks like. He instructed them. He, he showed them that Paul's proper position in relation to the God that he served was humility. It was his default position in his service to God. Humility. All humility of mind. He didn't worry about stupid doctrinal issues, such as is God sovereign on the earth today, or can you lose your salvation? He hit the nail on the head. Serve God with humility and everything else will fall into place. So important. This humility of mind that Paul talked about, so important. It wasn't any uh, moral quality or doctrinal position that he held. It was who Paul had chosen to become. It was as much ingrained in him as was his apostolic calling. This is how he identifies his service to to God. Okay, uh, I am a servant, and in all humility, I'm going to serve him. That means humble, always. It means humble in everything. It means humble in all places. It means humble in all situations. It means humble all the time, everywhere. All humility, all humility of mind enabled him from walking in faith and safety and favor and power. That's right. Paul did miracles. But if he wasn't humble, I don't believe he would have done them, right? Paul was favored. But if he wasn't walking in humility, I don't think he would have had the favor of God. And he was definitely safe. I mean, God, right? He was bitten by vipers. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with the 39 stripes three times, I think. I mean, he was stoned. (laughs) You know, he had a rough time. And yet all this humility of mind enabled God to continue to use him. Mark ten forty four, And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. Jesus saw the problem that pride would present in the church. That's why he told the disciples. They were fussing. Who's going to be the greatest? Can we sit in your seat to the right and the left? And he says, oh, whoever wants to be the greatest shall be the servant of all. Jesus saw this problem. He says, I'm going to deal with it. And he challenged it directly. If you want to become great in my kingdom, you must learn to serve. And you cannot serve properly until you become humble. That's a huge problem in today's church in America. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money, and neither can you serve self and God. Serving our God is job one. Serving his creation is job two. Humility is the key that unlocks our hearts for service in both areas. Neither I or any other teacher or preacher can give you the word all day long. I mean, we can give you the word all day long. We can preach and do our best to open the scriptures up to you and to bring light to your dark places. We can invest our prayers and our teaching to help you grow. We can follow God's rules for growing the men and women of God. What is God's rules for growing the church? Easy. That's Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So by speaking on a particular topic, let's use pride. We're speaking on pride. The word provides the remedy for the sin, right? Humility. Humility is the counter to pride. 
The word not only identifies the poison, which is pride. Pride is poison. But it explains it in detail, pride, absolutely, if you've been following the last four or five weeks. But now we see where the word also provides the antidote to defeat the poison. My job is to detail both the poison and the remedy. I can't make you take the remedy. You hear that? You've got to take the remedy. It's I don't force it down your throat. But once again, I can present the word to you, and then it's on you. We're talking about receiving the word of God. You must take the antidote in order to negate the effects of the poison. In this case, the poison is pride, and the remedy is humility. But it goes even deeper than that. You may have something in you that is preventing the antidote from working. And this is great. We're going to talk on James one twenty-one. I'm sure we'll pick up on it next week, too. James one twenty-one in the Amplified. So, get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness. Those are commands from James to the church. Get rid of uncleanliness. Get rid of wickedness. And with a humble spirit, receive the word of God, which is implanted. It's actually rooted in your heart which is able to save your souls. That is so good. Here, James identifies the actual process for defeating pride in our lives. He says, you need to receive the word of God, which I and others preach. All right, well, you know, I'm thinking that sounds pretty easy, right? Easy enough, listen to the word of God, go to church and receive the word of God. But then he says, you must have the proper spirit, or in today's language, You must have the proper programming or you've got to have the right app, right, to receive the word. That proper equipment or software that receives the word of God, James identifies it. He tells you right here, it's a humble spirit. If you don't have a humble spirit, you're not going to receive the word of God. If you've got pride in your heart, you can sit in church all day long. You're going to stay in bondage. Did you hear what I said? If you've got pride in your heart, you can sit in church all day long. You can play teaching tape after teaching tape after teaching tape, and you will not get delivered. You will not get healed. You must receive the word through a humble spirit. It's like putting square pegs in round holes. You can't do it. You must have a humble spirit. The word is aimed at a humble spirit. It will not impact any other type of heart. You must have a teachable spirit. Without it, you won't be able to hear what I'm saying. In order for the word to hold sway, one must still bear his or her own responsibility, his or her own responsibility. That means we must remove, what did James say? You've got to remove all hindrances to the word from bearing fruit. That means uncleanliness and any remnants of wickedness have got to go. So important. Are you hearing what I'm saying? James one twenty one in the Amplified. So, he's talking to me, Ron. Ron, get rid of all uncleanliness and everything that remains of wickedness, and then with a humble spirit, receive the word of God. If you still have uncleanliness and wickedness, which is pride in your life, you don't have a humble spirit and you cannot receive the word of God. That's why so many people go around all screwy and everything. I don't understand what they're doing with the word of God. They're just spiritual pigs when it concerns reading the word of God, and yet you never see any fruit in their lives. You know, Wearsby, he comments this way, the soil of the heart must be prepared to receive the word of God. So good. If we have unconfessed sin or bitterness in our hearts, or perhaps even bitterness against God, 
because of the trials that we go through, then we cannot receive the word or be blessed by it. The word for humble in James one twenty one, it's proutes, P-R-A-U-T-E-S, and commentator Hebert writes, it's humility or meekness as an inner attitude, not of spineless weakness or even haughtiness where we look down at other people. Instead, of uh, brashly asserting themselves in anger, proudest, they need to be humble and teachable in order to rightly receive the divine message. We're going to go into that in depth next week. Write it down. Read it every day. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 21. It's talking about humility, and it defines humility with the Greek word proudest, it's an inner attitude. You've got to understand that. It's actually a strength of humility. What? I know. I used to say, I'm so proud. I'm so humble. I'm proud of it. You know? <laughs> I don't mean to be funny, but praise the Lord. We love you guys. We're trying to help you through any areas of pride in your life where you're thinking of yourselves more highly than you ought to. And what that does, that takes you away from living in reality. You've created a false image of yourself in your mind and you see things based on that false image. I pray that God helps you get rid of that through repentance and a walk with him in humility. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.